This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everybody. My name is Hafa Lombardino, and this is Translation Confessional. Machine translation to MT or not to MT. Today we would like to get into a controversial subject machine translation. We are all very familiar with the doom and gloom associated with the use of technology when it comes to language services. Many people who don't understand how language technology works mistakenly think that software, apps, or even robots will soon replace translators, interpreters, copy editors, subtitlers, transcribers, and all other language professionals working in our segment. However, those of us who use technology to become better, more productive, more effective, and more consistent actually understand that technology is here to help not to turn us into an extinct species. Considering that, we came across an interesting article that highlights the positive aspects of this technology by arguing how neural machine translation solutions are not our enemy. We reached out to the author, Joaquin Lapine, a French-to-English translator based in Quebec, and asked for his authorization to bring his article to Translation Confessional. Joaquin not only authorized us to bring you his article, but he also sat down with Hoffa to talk about his approach to machine translations when he works on his own translation projects and how he helps his translation students interact with MT as well. After the break, we'll read his article for you. We left a link to the original in this episode's description. And stay tuned for the conversation that Hoffa and Joachim had about incorporating MT to our work routine and teaching the new generation of translators on how to use it effectively. In my Tools and Technology in Translation class, we dedicate a week to creating a resume and cover letter. I also encourage them to create different resumes for different purposes, depending on their language combination and specialty areas. Considering that, and the fact that it's always good to have a social media presence, I highly recommend that all freelancers create a bio page to direct potential clients to different resources such as their own professional website, a relevant profile on a job site, maybe some materials they've created to educate clients on what it is that they do. You can pretty much add anything relevant to your career to a bio page to centralize all your important links. I've been using Solo.2 for this very same purpose, and it's great. My bio page is Solo.2 that's T-O-2, slash Hafa-Translates. Once again, Solo.2 slash Hafa-Translates. Solo2's interface is pretty clean, and I like how you're able to change the color scheme and make it all visually pleasant. On my Solo2 page, 
I direct people to my classes at UCSD Extension, the Tools and Technology in Translation book, the learning sessions whose recordings I've made available online, my YouTube channel, and, of course, the Translation Confessional podcast. Use the link in this episode's description to create your own solo to bio page and centralize your most important professional links. Now, if you want to take advantage of the premium feature Solo2 offers, send me a private message. It can be an email or a DM on social media. And I'll send you an exclusive link for you to get 10% off if you sign up with them within 48 hours. Once you create your Solo2 page, share it with me so I can see what it looks like. Why Neural Machine Translation is Not Your Enemy by Joachim Lapine Although neural machine translation may seem to loom as an unprecedented threat to many professional translators today, we have been in a similar place before. Remember when everyone thought translation memories would be the death of translators? What happened then? Fuzzy matches lowered rates in some sectors, but savvy translators and agencies were able to use memories to their advantage. Today. There are very few translators who would ever go back to working in Word. I humbly suggest that Neural Machine Translation, or NMT, will bring about a similar change. Let's consider five ways in which NMT can positively impact your practice. Number 1. Seeing New Possibilities As translators, we tend to fall into a rut and end up using the same solutions year after year. Yes, there is a legitimate concern that junior translators will be unduly influenced by the machine. But with neural translation, we also get a glimpse into the minds of countless other fine translators. After all, any NMT engine worth its salt is trained on quality, professional, human translations. And you have the final say in what is acceptable according to a given context. Number 2 Financial Incentive An experienced professional translator told me, not long ago, about a client who demanded a lower rate given the availability of NMT technologies in their field. At first blush, this may seem like the stuff of nightmares, but the translator graciously agreed to offer a 10% discount, and the technology realistically cut her work down by 20%. A total win-win. The translator kept a 10% margin in her negotiation, which is entirely legitimate. Professionals must spend a great deal of time, money, and energy mastering their professional tools, in addition to having to renew licenses and infrastructure, undergo continuing education, etc. That time and expertise needs to be factored in, too. Offering a discount is more than generous, but in many fields of translation, it is not necessary or recommended. In a field where a specialized NMT engine can make a substantial difference, it can be a nice way to meet your client in the middle. And if you work for translation agencies, you, as a translator, must explain what rate you feel is reasonable for a job depending on the technology's realistic contribution. If we all do this, we can raise awareness and uphold proper working conditions. There's strength in numbers. Number 3. Less drudgery and more time for creative thinking. Does that sound familiar? It was a big discovery when translation memories came out, 
the less time you need to spend retranslating perfect matches or high fuzzies, checking for consistency, looking up terms in your glossary, etc. The more time you can spend on what you love most, working on the creative and stylistic challenges that make translation so fascinating and rewarding. With NMT, your engine can handle the easy-peasy stuff, leaving you with more time for what you excel at and enjoy the most. Number 4. Less Cognitive Effort Translation is mentally taxing work, as I'm sure you've noticed. One of the most frequently reported benefits of NMT is that you don't need to spend as much time wrestling with your rough draft and staring at the blank page or target segment. Unless you want to, of course. You already have something to work with. Frankly, when you translate 8 hours a day, a little help is kind of nice. Number 5. The Power of Choice it's worth really exploring all the NMT platforms and approaches out there and picking the right ones for your needs. Some platforms, known as Adaptive NMT, will incorporate your terms and style as you go. Others excel at grammar and style, relatively speaking of course, or give you options to choose from and automatically adjust on the fly. New and ever better solutions and workflows are coming out all the time. Today, Several of the major platforms can even train a neural engine based on your own corpus and whatever sources you choose. Imagine how much time you could save once you start using one platform in the long term. Based on cutting-edge research, we also know more today about how to post edit texts effectively. These practices can be learned with proper instruction, making your work much more productive and enjoyable. Conclusion to sum up, change is always a little scary, but at the end of the day, there are two ways to approach the massive influx of NMT in our field. We can bury our heads in the sand, wait for translation buyers to lower rates without our input, and suffer the consequences in silence. Or worse yet, complain and take no action. Or, we can proactively determine which tools are actually helpful and in which situations, think about win-win scenarios and fully take advantage of all that this technology has to offer. Taking the long view, NMT may also usher in a long overdue dialogue on per word versus hourly pricing in the translation field. But that is a topic for another day. Have you heard of Newsly? It's an all-in-one super audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web and reads them to you. For the first time in ever, the entire web is now listenable, and you can find it all in one place. Browse articles about a variety of topics, sports, technology, business, science, languages. Newsly even has digital radio from different countries. They have podcasts in different languages, too. And, yes, Translation Confessional is on their list as well. Download Newsly for free at www.newsly.me and use promo code TRANSCNF, which stands for Translation Confessional, to receive a one-month free premium subscription. Check this episode's description to copy the link and promo code. Then, lay back as Newsly brings you the news, so you can stop scrolling and start listening. So I'm with Joaquin today. 
I wanted to talk about machine translation because it's something that I don't really have experience in using machine translation as a professional. So because of his profile, after reading his article on LinkedIn, I just wanted to see his perspective. And because he's also a translation instructor, I wanted to see his perspective in teaching technology to aspiring translators, because that's the experience that I do have teaching 12 years. And I can see a big difference on how when we start the class and they don't have a lot of information and how the perspective changes later on when they can see how helpful it is. So you could just talk about yourself and tell me what you do. Uh, we can just uh, exchange some experiences. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much, Rafa, for, for having me here. Um, I'm happy to tell you a little bit about what I do. I'm a certified translator in Quebec, Canada. I do roughly 50 to 60% academic translation, and the remainder is basically commercial translation. So I do a lot of translation for big businesses, international organizations, relatively large institutes. I kind of have big clients. That's sort of what my goal was, and I'm happy to say that um, a few years after setting that goal, that's where basically all of my clientele is now is sort of larger clients. You know, it's funny that I'm on the show talking about machine translation because as recently as just a few years ago, I was completely anti, you know, NMT, anti using machine translation in our everyday work, like many translators are, they're legitimate concerns. But uh, essentially, I started sort of taking classes to figure out what this was all about. I started testing it, experimenting with it, and sort of taking what I was learning in the classroom myself in professional development courses and seeing how, did, how does this play out in my actual practice. And much to my surprise, when I started using NMT, for actual, you know, real world translations, I found that it was in some ways a bit of a relief, or at least it sort of alleviated some of the mental tiredness that comes from translating eight hours a day. And that's maybe a, a first point that I would say is that when you start using NMT, you quickly realize that it's not just about pounding out more words per hour or per day. There are actually a host of different types of benefits, and these have now been cited by research, and that's what kind of got me researching this and teaching it myself. So, I mean, one of those benefits is that we translate more text, but we also get human translations that have been sort of reworked by these algorithms that, for one thing, eliminate blank page syndrome so that when we're translating, we have sort of something rough to, to start hewing and start working and crafting. And so mentally, it's a little bit of relief in that regard. And I'd add also that in an era when the translation volumes are much higher than they've ever been, and they've really, really spiked during the pandemic globally. NMT is one fantastic solution in that we can continue to serve our clients and continue to meet deadlines and help more people. And when this is done correctly, it's a win-win. So the translator is also going to, you know, especially if you have direct clients, this is a great way to also improve your income. So my perspective has changed pretty dramatically since those days when I was just sort of testing it out and going, what is this garbage? You know, early 2010s, I would bring Google Translate translations to my college classes just to make my students laugh a bit at the end of class. And it just kind of defused things and got students laughing and saying, oh my goodness, we still will have work for many, many years to come as translators. And I still believe that today. But what has changed is that we have a little bit of help with that rough draft. And so these translations, in some cases, are revisable. So it's not quite as laughable as it was in the early 2010s. We now have something that is actually worth revising in certain cases, not in all cases, but that's sort of where I'm coming from. And I've been teaching NMT workshops for organizations actually around the globe in the last couple of years during the pandemic, thanks to Zoom. 
the magic of Zoom. So I've, I've sort of been bringing this message to different people and saying, hey, this technology is here and uh, we can fear it. We can make that choice and simply refuse to use it. But there are many benefits that go beyond producing more words. You know, there's the fact that it's sort of a way to make our work a little bit less mentally taxing. And that therefore frees up energy for focusing on the passages that require style work um, or that require a little bit more um, research or in-depth thinking. So, and there are many other benefits too, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. But in a nutshell, that's sort of where I'm coming from. And today I, I do use NMT in my private practice. You know, I have no shame or any uh, issues with saying so. I use it strategically, not for all jobs, but for certain jobs. And when it serves me well, it's a win-win because my client is getting their text faster at no additional charge to them, which is something I think we don't stress enough. You know, not only are they getting the work faster in many cases, but at no additional cost to them. I mean, where in today's economy will, will this ever happen? And so I think that we can lean on those kinds of arguments. And there are uh, ways to be competitive. There are ways to be very successful using this technology and to use it intelligently and to ensure the quality of our work. But I think that some reflection perhaps is, is required. And that's sort of why I've been bringing my message to people through social media and through the online webinars I do to sort of say, hey, you know, we have a big disruptive technology. Let's get the elephant in the room, you know, under the spotlight. <laughs> let's, let's talk about it and see how people respond in other industries. That's perfect. It's exactly what I wanted to hear because you've been using it effectively. And like you said, there are cases that you cannot use it because it just won't help you as much, but it does get you started. And that's one of the things that I ask my students because I present the information about the technology and I started teaching this class 12 years ago. So a lot has changed as far as MT. And uh, I do show examples of how badly it can turn out. So they are aware of it. But also I tell them to go and see for themselves and see what kind of application they could have, depending on what industry they're thinking about working in. It's good to see that back in the day, they used to be just so taken aback of how this is horrible. This technology will replace me. I just am completely against it. I don't want anything to do with machine translation to having that mentality of how I can use this to my advantage and it can help me. And if I use it responsibly, I can actually, you know, get ahead of the game and spend less time while I'm working. So, um, among all the things that you were saying, one thing that just uh, stood out for me is how you frame it for clients of how I'm doing this, it will be a little faster than usual, and I'm not going to charge you more for that. So I like the narrative because it shows first to your clients that you are confident in technology you're using and how you use it well. And second, of how they won't have the mentality that, oh, he's using this software, this platform. So why do I need them? I'll just go to, you know, machine translation, everything is fine. Because we're talking about clients that sometimes don't speak both languages. So they don't know what they don't know and they don't know how badly it can turn out. I do like this way that you just present the technology as something that you use as a tool that helps you and not something that will help them cut corners or try to, you know, get a discount. Because that's what we see most of the times. Oh, just use this machine translation that we have here already run through the project. Will pay you, you know, less because you're not doing it from scratch. So, if you could talk a little bit more about that of uh, clients' reactions and how you created this kind of mentality to just work with clients as, you know, business partners to get a project accomplished, 
and not for them to see technology as something that is, uh, you know, helping them cut costs. Right, absolutely. And this is such an important issue to talk about today. I think that what, one thing that can be really helpful is to look at the bigger picture and also to look at what other professions are doing. We have a tendency, I think, to, you know, like all humans everywhere, we have a tendency to look at things through our own lens and not necessarily to think, hey, what are other people in similar situations doing? Let's just take another example from a different field before I answer your question directly. Um, if you go to an architect and tell them that you have an idea for a house you'd like to have built, they're not going to usually use pencil and paper. You know, today they have all kinds of programs that will create a lovely mock-up and that will give you an idea of what your dream house could be. They are not necessarily going to start off the conversation saying, I'm using this tool and I'm using that tool and I'm using this tool, you know, and hence here's a discount. You know, that's just utter nonsense, right? And it's the same thing with every single other field that I've been able to think of in terms of liberal professions. So people who are professionals who've done college studies, you know, when you have a career where you're doing intellectual work, generally the conversation doesn't begin with the tools. The conversation begins with the needs of the clients. And so I personally, this might uh, come as a bit of a surprise, but I don't begin the conversation with my clients talking about any tool at all. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Uh, when I meet with my clients the first time, I make it a point, you know, I don't send in quotes without having spoken to my client first. And when we do meet and speak, I get to know them. I ask them what they're doing. And then I will say, hey, you know, it sounds like this could be a good fit for the services I'm offering, or maybe this, is, this isn't quite up my alley, but I know someone else I could recommend. And then in terms of the tools, you know, um, this is a huge point. It, I think that the tools should be up to the service provider. In fact, this is one of the definitions of a liberal profession. Someone who's, who has a college degree and who is offering a professional service, by definition, if you belong to a liberal profession, you know, like a dentist or a lawyer or a notary, as the professional, you are the person who's in the best position to recommend the right tool for the job. And your client doesn't necessarily need to know what tool you're using, if any tool at all. You know, so I don't begin the conversation with the tools. I begin the conversation with the client's needs. I'm very rarely asked, you know, do you use a memory or do you use an MT or do you use something else? I'm thankful to be in a, in a place in my career where I have a lot of direct clients. You know, they find me out. Uh, these days, I turn down a lot of the requests that I get. And so I, I can sort of be choosy and I'm mindful of that. I know not everyone is in that situation. That's something that comes with uh, many years of experience, or at least it is for me. But I begin the conversation with their need and the tools are up to me. And I think the tools should be up to the translator. And that's why I think it's important for all of us to be aware of the tools that are out there so that we will know what the proper tool is for the job. Now, if a client does ask me, hey, Joe, what tools are you using for this job? I have no problem at all telling them, oh, for this job, um, I'm happy to tell you that I'm using such and such tool. And this is of benefit to you because it means that you're going to get the translation faster. And if I am pressed on using NMT, as did happen one time, I simply told the client, thanks to this technology, you get the work a little bit faster at no cost to you. And they were super happy that I told them that. There are many other ways that you can present it, but I think that right out the gate, we should be thinking in terms of benefits for the client. You know, just like in every other field, if you go to the dentist and they have a new machine that will uh, provide a treatment a little bit faster, Typically, they're, they're going to tell you about the benefits. Oh, look, this is good news. You're going to be in and out faster. And we have a machine that's going to ensure consistency. Isn't that wonderful? And naturally, your, your dentist is going to charge more when you're, when you're heading over to the reception and paying your bill. And that literally happened to me. It was a while back. It was like in the, I think, in the late 90s or early 2000s. This literally happened to me. And I always think of this example 
when I'm talking about NMT because you know every field has disruptive technologies. And if we have a fear-based response, then we can shoot ourselves in the foot, but it doesn't have to be that way. There's an intelligent way to talk about these things and to show the benefits for the client. And if you do that, then they are happy in other fields to pay more. You know, generally, if you're using a technology that means someone gets something faster, that professional will charge more. So in translation, you know, if we decide not to charge more, that's our choice. But at the very least, we shouldn't be charging less. You know, that makes no kind of sense at all. But, you know, as some people are unfortunately doing today, if you're charging 30% less every year, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you, but you're going to be out of business pretty soon. It doesn't have to be that way. Exactly. I completely agree. And I do like the way that you're framing it because it's so much easier for us to understand something about, you know, another profession. You know, your plumber is going to come here with a new tool and, you know, get rid of the, the problem that you're having, fixing it for you. So it's the convenience, but not necessarily, oh, it will be cheaper because they did it so fast. It takes knowledge. It takes actually investment on buying that tool, learning how to use it. So it's the same thing with us. And that's one thing that I tell my students, especially with CAD tools, because that's what I use it every single day. So I just tell them that I don't necessarily tell my clients the ins and out of CAD tools. I explain this to the students because they have to learn how to use it. but Unless it's an agency that says, I want you to use this tool, that tool, they provide me the login, I go online and work for their you know, platform that they chose. But if I'm talking to a direct client, I'm not going to explain the ins and outs of CAD tools because first, you can't control the reaction they will have. They may think, oh, that is wonderful. I'm so glad that you, know, you can do this for me. But some others will have misunderstandings and think that you know, the CAD tool is machine translation and it's what they heard about Google Translate. You can open so many precedents of how they can misinterpret what you're doing and go in different directions of asking for a discount or of thinking that you are replaceable. So I do like this way to just present yourself as a professional and I will do what it takes to do a great job for you with my knowledge and the tools that I can use. So it is, it's perfect. And um, what would you say that are the kind of uh, projects that it's ideal for machine translation. That's what you always go to machine translation first while working. And some others that as soon as you look at the project description or take a look at the file, you're like, yeah, I'll just do this with a cat tool or the old conventional way. Right, right. Well, uh, certainly there, there is a difference. You know, I'm not going to surprise anyone. The more creative texts, the texts that require more style work, those are often best done without any kind of uh, machine translation input. Just to, to be clear, we say machine translation these days, but we should be awfully careful with our terms. Because if you're using DeepL, for example, every single word that you're receiving is a word that was translated by a human. The way that it's going to be arranged will be determined by an algorithm to best suit your sentence you're working on. But it's not really machine translation anymore. What we have today is a new era of NMT, which is sort of hybrid between only professional translations done by translators that have been fed into carefully curated corpuses, you know, with DeepL or with Sistran or, or other providers. But yeah, that's, that's sort of, um, that's how I approach it in a nutshell. You know, more creative work like magazines. I do a lot of magazine translation, blogs, uh, marketing, of course. For those kinds of texts, it's not going to be very useful to use NMT. But if you are translating an administrative policy, for example, I do a lot of policy translations for large clients. And 
NMT is an unbelievable help with those kinds of documents. You can really get it done in record time. These are dry documents that have to be rendered correctly. And that, of course, you have to work very hard on the accuracy, but the drafting just goes so much faster with these tools, um, especially if you're really using the right tool for the job. And same thing with uh, other text, you know, instructions. Of course, you have to check it over carefully, but straightforward texts that tend to be relatively one-to-one do really well with um, NMT. I translate a lot of reports as well, and with few exceptions, the NMT is worthwhile for factual reports. It's a good way of getting the information across, and we're starting to get to the point now where our NMT providers are providing adaptive solutions or letting us train an engine with them so it will continue to adapt to our style and improve. I think that's where the future is. I think that's going to continue. But we're still going to need humans, of course, at the end of the day, to do things and to check everything over. I actually have experience with that in my personal life because we recently went to Italy. We have family there. So I was trying to figure out where we're staying. And even though I translate from Italian, my spelling is horrible. I can only really express myself with the present. I don't know how to conjugate the verbs perfectly. So uh, I always use some kind of assistance if I want to write something more complex. So um, I have been surprised by, you know, if I type something in English and I have to break down the English, I can't just, you know, write as I'm speaking right now to you because there are misunderstandings that can happen uh, when going from one language to the other. And you can get a more literal translation sometimes. So I try to break it down. I try to tap into my, you know, old days teaching English as a second language of how to simplify the English to get the result I want in Italian. Because you can see that it's like, no, that's not exactly what I'm trying to say. That just sounds too translated. So you kind of tweak the original to get the result that you want. But not everybody using the technology is a language person, a translator like us. So we have to have that in mind that you are interacting with the tool differently. It's not the, you know, thing that I used to use back in 1990s something to learn languages of how it's one word and one word just replaceable without context. Like I said, it comes from something that was already translated and put it into a better context. And that's just how the algorithm works to combine something and form the sentence better. I do like the differentiation of the technology, how it's evolving and how it can get better. And I do believe that we shouldn't have the doom and gloom mentality of how translators in five years will be extinct. There are going to be no translators or interpreters. The machines will take over. Because if you think about, you know, medicine, there are a lot of surgeries nowadays that are done, you know, by robots, but you still need a doctor, a surgeon who understands the process and that it just makes their work easier. It doesn't mean that they could be out of the room and they can just, you know, be taken out of the equation. So um, I do like the differentiation. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. A few different things that I would point out here. First of all, there is, I don't know if you're aware, there is an ISO standard on post-editing that came out in 2017, and it's a very dry document. (laughs) But one of the interesting conclusions in there is that there's only one person that's properly qualified to do post-editing, and that is a professional translator. And the reason for that is that it's not enough to master the Uh, target language, you actually need language transfer skills. So by definition, you need a translator. Sometimes just for fun, I kind of lean back and stare at the text I'm working on. And I think, oh my God, there's there's no way a machine is going to be able to do this. There's just no way they're going to understand what valorization means in this text I'm working on. Like, I personally don't think that there's any risk of our jobs disappearing. I think that the, the fact that we have currently is that our profession is growing roughly twice as fast 
as the average. The demand is growing and NMT is a way that we can continue to meet that demand. And in fact, you know, I don't want to open a big can of worms, but if we continue to charge by the word, as is the case in most contexts today, it's actually very advantageous to do so. It's just light years away. I think only, only if we get real AI, you know, sort of like the Terminator movies, if we get that kind of AI with the Terminators that are able to think on their own, then that will be a different story and we'll all be out of a job if that happens. But currently that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing algorithms that leverage human translations to help us draft a little bit faster. And so that's another thing I, I would like to point out is that way back when I was doing my degree in translation, I remember I had a teacher who told us in all our classes, the day the translation becomes revising Google Translate, I'm changing careers. I think that she was right to say that because at that time, Google Translate was statistics-based and it was extremely poor. It was like you said, like one word equals one word and it just was, was a laughable result. But interestingly, that's not what's happening. It's not that we're revising Google Translate. It's actually that we have a first draft that's leveraging these previous human translations through algorithms, and therefore that is letting us spend less time on the drudgery and the easy stuff so that we can focus a little bit more on the parts that require more intensive human intervention. So I, you know, very surprisingly, I do not think that we should look at these from a fear-based perspective, or perhaps we should at least look at the two sides of it. Personally, I've never had as much translation work, and I've never had such a thriving business as I do today. And many of my colleagues are in the same situation. Some of them aren't speaking too loudly about it. You know, it's like, take it while the getting is good. But it is a fact that if we respond to these intelligently, just like people in all the other fields in our economy who are responding intelligently and thoughtfully, to disruptive technologies. We can spend less time on the things that we don't necessarily enjoy or that don't require our unique skills, and we can actually come out of it on top and, and do very well for ourselves. So that's sort of uh, my outlook on these things. Perfect. Completely agree. It's not my reality day in and day out, but I do agree because that's exactly the same approach I take to CAT tools, which is part of my reality. And um, the one thing I'm curious uh, for us to wrap up is changes in perspective from your students if they go in thinking that it's all like google translate it would be horrible and it's just a bit of a joke or do they change the perspective and do you know any cases of students that went on to successfully use it and have a thriving business like you're saying right absolutely i think for me there's one thing that really stands out uh, when people do a webinar on nmt or do a, a professional development course or have some proper training on it the great result might not be what you expect. I think that the main takeaway, the shift that I see in the people that do webinars on this is they come to see NMT not as something that's forced on us where we, you know, we have to react to a negative new situation where it's like, you know, this unpleasant task of revising machine translations, but understanding instead that this is only one tool in our toolkit and that we can choose to use the right tool for the job. And that's very much the way I work. I have a number of different subscriptions and I really am strategic when I get a new job to do, you know, whether it's a hundred page report or even just a little press release, I will think, okay, what's the best tool for this job? In some cases, it's no tool at all. I'll simply work in Word or I'll even work on pencil with pencil and paper for some marketing jobs. For others like big policies, I will use a proper translation memory and I'll be able to leverage my own translations um, in increasingly helpful ways, especially with some of the adaptive engines out there. 
So I think that's part of the solution to me is seeing it as just one more tool. And it's not a tool that it is a revolutionary tool, but it's not something that changes the game as much as you might think. Translation is still translation. It still has to be done by translators. It's sometimes useful and sometimes not useful, just like a translation memory. And who today would go back to working in Word or on paper compared to a memory that just makes it visually easier to work, that lets us focus on the things that matter and that get sort of automatic translations entered where they need to be? I mean, I don't think I know a single translator that would go back to working on paper or something since we have tools that make our work more pleasant. And I think that we're just seeing sort of the next step of that evolution with NMT. And so that's the shift that I see is when people say, oh, you know, I I now understand that I can choose to use this or not to use it. And I can use the right tool for the job based on my goals and what will best serve my client. And once you see it as one thing in your arsenal, if you will, that can help you, I think that it becomes a much more enjoyable proposition Uh, Because if you feel like it's being forced on you and the conditions that might come with it that are not always very realistic or that might not take into account the actual nature of the technology, you know, in those cases, then I understand that people respond negatively and they have every reason to. If you sort of look at the other side of the equation uh, and you see it as one thing in your toolkit that that can serve your purposes, you know, I, I kind of like to say they're like, it's like the two Terminators, right? You've got your T-1000 and you've got your Arnold. And if your NMT is one tool in your toolkit and you have control over how you use it, then that becomes your Arnold, you know? He'll give you a ride on his motorcycle. (laughs) He'll shoot the bad guys. He'll be your friend, Um, yes. Exactly, very much our friend. I think that uh, our mindset and how we respond to change is a huge issue if we want to remain viable. And I think that provided that we adopt a proactive and thoughtful approach and that we look at what people are doing in other fields, then this, this can be an extremely helpful technology and just one more thing that can be useful in our toolkit for certain jobs. And so that's sort of how I hope that we will start to see it as a profession as opposed to only having that sort of knee-jerk, fear-based reaction that, uh, that doesn't always serve us very well. Completely agree. Last time I had to use pen or paper, it was when I took my ATA exams, and I'm talking about right. 2007 and 2013. It's been a while. And mm-hmm. uh, look at it now. Not only they started using computers, so the ones that I proctored with, uh, you know, students that wanted to take the exam here locally in San Diego, they already could bring their laptops, something that I didn't do back then. And now we can do remotely. So technology changes. How are you going to use technology to your advantage? So just because I did my tasks back then with a pencil, with paper, scratch paper, you know, uh, clean it up and just write, you know, more legibly so they can uh, review my uh, my exam. It doesn't mean that it has to be like that, you know, and I'm not going to be that kind of person who's going to say, I did it that way. Everybody has to do it that way. No, it's the changing times, using te- the technology. And like you said, what fits best for this goal? How can I accomplish something well, faster? And that can provide the quality that I want and can just help solve this problem that the client has, this need that the client has. So um, that's perfect. Thank you so much for uh, illustrating the ways that we use machine translation nowadays and how it has evolved. And like I said, it's not a part of my reality for the projects that I have because I do a lot of creative work. But I do appreciate that people have to learn this perspective and see how they can use it and use the tools that are available to them and keep up with the technology. Right on. Thank you so much for having me. 
Send us an email at rlombardino at wordawareness.com or leave a voice message on the Translation Confessional Anchor page. If we get enough feedback and voice messages, we can go back to this subject and post a special podcast episode with everyone's opinion on this very same theme. By the way, our Anchor page is anchor.fm slash translation dash confessional. We look forward to hearing from you. Stay tuned for weekly episodes and subscribe to Translation Confessional through your favorite podcast app.